Mario Kart 8 Deluxe's booster course pass is now out, and I'll give some early impressions. And at least I could play it when the servers were down in, like, Gran Turismo 7. Tonight is March 20th, 2022, and the Bobby Blackwell Show, featuring your calls and chat comments, is up next. So, so love, you would say, uh, even if... Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. How's your bracket doing? As Sharon and Matt says, can't get bracket busted if you don't have a bracket. Maybe you put down Kentucky. You didn't know what you were doing. Thought they were going to be good. I didn't put them down. Uh, I put somebody else that's already out. Anyway, anyway, welcome to a non-bracket edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on Sunday nights over at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. We do tape the show live each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Uh, and that's where I try to read intelligent comments from chat uh, throughout the night. But if if you cannot be here on Sunday nights, I completely understand. We do have a Discord server for those of you listening on the podcast that maybe want to interact during the week. Vognetwork.com slash Discord is where you can get the invite into that. We have text channels for our various programming here on the Vogue Network. Uh, and you can uh, sol- put in stories that you maybe want us to cover. And a lot of the Gran Turismo 7 stuff came from uh, suggestions in the Discord. Uh, there was a question early, in, and I wanted to kind of mention this as well. Uh, E3VL, I believe, uh, asks, has anybody seen the Halo series yet? Remember the Halo series? I've been seeing uh, ads for it on the sports balls. Uh, it's on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, it's not out yet. The Breakman would know. Uh, the Breakman's like, oh, no, it's it's March 24th is when it comes out. So, so reviewers have seen it, uh, but nobody else. And uh, the question was asked, why release re- reviews out so early? Uh, it's because it's on Paramount+, Plus and they want you to go ahead and get that subscription. That's why they they have the reviews come out early, because to drum up hype, so you go ahead and get Paramount Plus now to get it. Now, if you have Xbox Game Pass, it's not up yet, but I bet like on March 24th, Xbox Game Pass will have a perk that is a free 30-day trial of Paramount Plus. So if you haven't gotten Paramount Plus before, like me... Uh, you may be able to get it if you have Xbox Game Pass. You may be able to get 30 days, and it is specifically they say is specifically to check out the Halo series. So that's why they're releasing reviews now. I haven't clicked on any of them. Questbuster says uh, the the reactions are mixed. Some are grumpy over canon changes. Others say it's a decent start and look forward to others. So um, so yeah, uh, that's that's why we haven't talked about the Halo show yet fifth dream says paramount plus is worth it for a billion new star treks and that i haven't gotten it yet um i got and i'm a huge star trek person um but uh we had enough streaming services and star trek discovery by itself wasn't enough 
uh, for us to justify adding yet another streaming service. Um, but now that they've got four Star Treks and then the Halo series and then they're getting some other things uh, exclusive to Paramount Plus, um, it might we might be able to justify it now. But we couldn't justify it just for one show. And I also didn't exactly like Star Trek Discovery in the first season. I know it's gotten better and that we haven't seen those seasons, but I started uh, renting the DVDs through the DVD Netflix because they put the series out on DVD like that. Uh, and we kind of watched through some of it and it really didn't hold that our, our attention, which is kind of kind of sad for a Star Trek. S. Jared or Matt says uh, subscriptions and recurring subscriptions are paramount to streaming services. Very good. Very good. Very very good, SJ, when I'm at. All right. So uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that uh, came out in the video game world this week. Uh, and this one uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about because I am uh, I have been personally involved with this uh, event for a bit. Uh, and uh, if you people are watching on the stream, I got my volunteer shirt from uh, this weekend. We finally got our volunteer shirts in the mail. Uh, for Games Done Quick, and it was actually announced on Friday that uh, things are, uh, I'm not going to say returning to normal, uh, but Summer Games Done Quick 2022 will actually be an in-person event like it was uh, before for the first 10 years of its existence, um, which normally uh, Summer Games Done Quick, the speedrunning marathon is done in a big hotel ballroom, audience in the back, you have the runner, you have the people sitting on the couch behind them, uh, and, uh, and it's a, it's a grand old time, fun old time. And it's going to be back to being in person. It's been virtual for the past, uh, four events now, um, or actually the past three events for, I don't know. Yeah. Four events. I lost count. What is time? Uh, but it's coming back June 26th through July 3rd, uh, is when it's going to be coming back. Um, now there, the reason I'm bringing this up is uh, because I'm sure that the first thing people are going to ask or the second or third or fourth, or it's maybe the 99th thing is going to ask is, Bobby, are you going? Because I have been, I've been a host or a donation reader uh, for all the virtual GDQs. And I've been saying, yeah, you know, I'd love to go to an in-person one. I hear it's a thing. Um, I luckily have some time to think about it and, because I do have some things to think about. And I'm going to be... Very upfront that I'm not trying to criticize any decisions on this, um, but uh, there are some head scratchers going on here. So uh, what they've actually posted so far is uh, in, in accordance with our stance on safety, this is GDQ's stance on safety, SGDQ 2022 will be requiring full COVID-19 vaccinations with proof as well as KN95 or N95 masks for all attendees of the event in all event areas and on stream event attendance uh, event attendance cap will be reduced social distancing will be practiced in all event spaces we will be asking all attendees to maintain a two per hotel room limit we expect ample hotel rooms to be available due to the reduced attendance cap some on-site areas will not be returning this summer such as the panels and the board game room 
two of the things I was most looking forward to experiencing, as they are not currently feasible with our COVID-19 policies. Others, such as the arcade, may be more limited in scope. Uh, we will be providing now. We will be providing a detailed document on our various COVID nineteen precautions and policies on March twenty first, which is tomorrow from when we are posting this. They would already been up if you're listening to the podcast. They've already been up, uh, but we've re- taped this on the twentieth on Sunday night. They're going to be up on Monday. Um, now they do say that they're going to continue to evaluate. Uh, and may change the policy or cancel in-person plans in response. Uh, they'll continue to keep the community updated. Um, so the key part there, which is making me kind of rethink uh, or, or it, it making me think about if I want to audition, which I have, I think, until April 11th to make that decision, is the fact that they are going to be requiring masks at all times, period, on stream, Everywhere. I'm totally for common sense precautions. Um, you know, I did Dragon Con. I've done the Southern Fried Gaming Expo. Uh, and I did those all while wearing a mask. Um, you know, at Dragon Con, I provided proof of vaccination. Totally fine with that. Because those made sense. However... No other television production in the world right now has their on-air t- requires their on-air talent to be wearing a mask when they are in that controlled environment, even if that controlled environment has an audience. And the reason for that is because uh, there's a there's muffling, so it's a, it's hard it, there it's a little bit more difficult to use speak through a mic. With a mask. Not impossible, just more difficult. And it does require a little bit of a different breath control when you are projecting through a microphone than it does uh, when you're just having a normal conversation. Professionals can absolutely work through that. But this is a television production being hosted and staffed by for better or for worse, amateurs. Some people that actually work for Games Done Quick do actually have experience in the television industry, and they bring that in, so they are professionals. But the people that you see on air are not professionals, and so they are not trained to handle not just the uh, projection aspect through an N95, but also the adrenaline that comes with that. Uh, My speaking voice right now is different than if we were just having a conversation. So the fact that even when you are isolated, you are like 10 feet away from other people um, doing something that's on a mic and you still also have to have the mask on. I am not sure I personally would be able to perform up to the quality that I'd want to perform at. So. I am totally fine with all the masks on the other side because I realize what I just said sounds like an, I'm, I'm an anti-masker, which I'm not. I am totally not. Um, and, uh, you know, Paul Podcourt says, I'd much rather they be overcautious than undercautious. But, and I guess what where I'm coming from is if you are requiring the vaccinations, if you are doing tests, if you are social distancing, also wearing a mask doesn't lower your risk that much. And that, unfortunately, the numbers support that as well. You need a bunch of those, but you don't need everything. 
And it makes for a harder viewing experience because I remember watching the previous GDQs and when they would have segments from inside the studio, the presenters, even if it was just the single presenter, would be wearing a mask and they would be breathing heavily because they were out of breath. Because the presenters, uh, all amazing people, but they also don't do television for a living. So trying to handle that with amateurs, it's going to make a worse viewing experience because now you're going to be hearing people muffled and out of breath, which you normally wouldn't have. I don't do this show with a mask on. S. Sharon Amat says, I have to disagree with you on this, Bobby. A few schools and conferences require or required sportscasters to wear a mask if they're broadcasting on court, primarily college basketball and volleyball. And I'm sure that it happens in some places. And it's, you know, I've been watching some college basketball and, you know, I am totally fine with the crew wearing the mask, all the helpers wearing the mask. But every time I've seen the commentators, they have not been wearing the mask. Maybe if they're maybe some of the places with the on court interviews or the on field interviews, they have been. But for the most part, I have seen that's not been the case. And as Sherman Matt says, I can say you can notice if an announcer is wearing a mask, which is indeed muffled. And I'm I'm not trying to bash them for having this uh, policy. It's just I'm also I'm kind of explaining that I don't think I because I am not a professional announcer who is trained. Uh, I don't think I could do it, and it, it's a me problem. This, this is definitely a me problem. This is not a GDQ problem. This is a personal problem. You know, if, if, you, if the, you, you heard what I was saying, you say, well, that sounds like a personal problem to me. You're absolutely right. It is. So that's why I'm going to be thinking about it. Now, they are going to be extending, uh, putting in more comprehensive policies, and they're coming out tomorrow. One of those is the date that you get vaccinated, which means... I may not be able to go anyway because I got my vaccination pretty early on and uh, I'm going to kind of guess that they're going to have a cutoff date. And if you got your vaccination before that date, they're going to consider you no longer vaccinated because that was too far in the past. Um, So I may not be able to go anyway. I won't I won't know that until tomorrow um, what their guidelines are for that. Um. And uh, E3VL says, need a booster. I got a booster pretty early on. Uh, And uh, so I may have gotten the booster too early. Because it's only going to be, you know, I think there is, what was it, six months or something like that? And I got my booster more than six months ago. So um, I got mine well before January. Uh, So I don't know if I'm going to be able to even be eligible to go. Uh, They are going to be doing some remote runs. They're going to be having some remote staffers, so there might be a chance. I don't know, but I also do know some other longtime hosts are not traveling because they are unable to financially or it's just not safe enough for them. Uh, And um, so they're going to be probably going gunning for those those online only roles. So I probably wouldn't be in there in that. Um, So uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm going to think about it. I don't have to make a decision until April 11th. And I'm, I, I want to make sure that I make it clear that I'm not trying to, like, criticize anything. I'm just kind of explaining why I'm not jumping for joy yet. Um, because I know, like, the hosting position that I do, it's a desk that's like, I've never, I've actually seen a picture of it. It's like over on the side of the stage far away from everybody else. 
So we're you're social distanced, and you're vaccinated, and you're you've been tested. Um, so I just there's a difference between common sense safety measures, like what was happened at you know what I've done at other conventions, and going a little over the top for theater. Uh, and I think this might be crossing that in, for me. Um, because it's not gonna it's not gonna reduce risk that much more, and it's gonna make it harder for people for me personally to do my job, which is why I may just not go. Um, if you and I guess the only thing I would say is if they felt that it was too dangerous to do it any other way, uh, then maybe they should have gone virtual again, which they may still go virtual. Who knows? And Questbuster says it's personal preference. And, and once again, like I have no problem with the masks, wearing the masks, sitting in the crowd, wearing a mask, things like that. Uh, I have no problem having a conversation in a mask because I'm not trying to project as much. Uh, and I'm not trying to perform and I don't have the adrenaline going on. Uh, and it's, it's totally a me thing. It's totally a personal problem. So I may or may not be on SGDQ 2022. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm going to have to think about it. And I've got a couple of weeks to think about it. But uh, it is going to be happening that week. Uh, either in person or virtual, and um, they're going to be keeping a look at the numbers, uh, and it's going to be in Minnesota. As Sharon and Matt said, they could do a hybrid system of doing announcer reader offsite would be tough with the delay. Um, what they, I think they're planning is they're going to have several remote runs that also have a remote host, uh, because I'm going to guess that they're going to have to close down the stream room for cleaning, so they cannot actually run 24 hours. I'm going to guess that's what's going to happen is that some of those late night blocks, uh, they're going to pivot to online so they can close the main ballroom and have it be cleaned. Questor said, just an added note for Bobby's note, the commentators for Guilty Gear Strives are are, are Grivo. I don't know how to pronounce it. I apologize. Turney weren't wearing masks while at a broadcast desk, but during interviews, their guests were often wearing masks where I could see. And no, I mean, I also get like for interviews and guests and stuff like that. Uh, but like if I'm sitting off in a corner, I don't, I personally, if I'm sitting off in a corner, not near anybody else, I don't want to have to try to project through a mask. And that's me. That's personally me. At Dragon Con, which was not a super spreader event, uh, I wore a mask the whole time until I was sitting on a panel and then the panel started. I took the mask off. So I, because I was speaking into a mic. Uh, and spoke on the mic and, and ran panels for an hour, and they immediately when we're like, thank you, everybody, have a great rest of your day, the mask came right back on. Totally fine with that. Totally perfectly fine with that. Anyway, let's talk about video games. How about that? Uh, so uh, Mario Kart 8 got some new tracks, uh, and I, I wish I could say that I played it more, but I, I hadn't played it all that much more than what we've already seen. Um, or, or I played them once. I played each track once. So there are two new, or there's eight new courses. And it, it's, I'm going to have to play them a little bit more because the Mario Kart Tour courses, you've got one in Paris and one in Tokyo, which are from the mobile game. Um, they have multiple paths. And I'm not positive, like, if you're supposed to do a different path for something that's better. Um, I did notice like on the third lap of the Paris one, I started like going against traffic or I think it was a Tokyo one. One of them, I started going against traffic and I was like, am I going the right way? Fifth Dream says, I thought Mortal Kombat 8 got new tracks. You know, 
the blue shell is like a fatality if you think about it hard enough. And then you realize that made no sense. But anyway, um, but so there, there were, there's multiple paths in some of these. And I know that's kind of a thing in Mario Kart, but it's a little more pronounced in this, and especially in the tour courses, because I guess the mobile game, it that's part of it, is is picking the right path uh, to get through things. Uh, so I'm going to have to play a little bit more to try really figure out if I went the correct way. Um, luckily, you know, I, I, I started on 50cc, so uh, it, w- it wasn't that difficult. I just got hit with a bunch of items a lot. Uh, but there is a uh, a new course. And I, I guess maybe because I wasn't paying attention all that much, but uh, I thought these were all just remakes from other games. But there actually is like a net new course that hasn't existed before uh, in this game, and it's it's um it's it's ninja themed, and you're like jumping across the rooftops. It's uh oh, it's, it is from Mario Kart Tour. They, it, it, I'm playing a trailer, and it says Mario Kart Tour on, on uh, the Ninja Hideaway, but in the game, it actually doesn't label it as anything from another Mario Kart. Um, so, yeah. Uh, DJ Rama S says, on those tracks, uh, there is no correct way because as you go, the game will block paths for you to take the other direction. I think that's what happened. Because, uh, like, I, I took the, like, I was lap three. It was like, no, you're going to go this way. And then I started like racing against traffic. It was kind of it was kind of weird. So uh, Rob Rogers says I was right. FYI, there was a new course. Thank you. And it's interesting in the game in Mario Kart. It says that Ninja Hideaway is a new course. It's not from something else. In this trailer that I just played on Twitch, which is the official announcement trailer, it says it's from Mario Kart Tour. And I. I I want to lean into the lean on the side of it's a new track because all the Mario Kart tour tracks are supposed to be of real world locations or based off of real world locations like Paris and Tokyo and things like that. Zen Monkey 11 says buy that new course before Nintendo takes it away in 12 years. Yeah. Uh, so I, I enjoyed playing it a little bit. Uh, I've only gone through each course once. I need to go through it like a hundred CC and a little bit higher uh, to, to kind of go through them. Uh, but I think they did a good job with them. Uh, I, I enjoyed going back and reliving the memories. I do understand that some people are upset about some of the graphical changes that happened. Uh, but frankly, I don't stop and look at the bushes when I'm playing Mario Kart. And I know I know that probably doesn't make me a real gamer. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the texture of the bush um, doesn't... I, I don't care. I care about how how uh, how fun it is. Orange Wright says uh, new tracks will be uh, uh, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe Deluxe. There will never be a nine. Nintendo doesn't like the number nine, much like how Valve doesn't like the number three. The Right Man says uh, it is a new track new to Mario Kart Eight. LOL. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and Questbird says somewhere at Nintendo, an artist is crying. I'm sorry, artist at Nintendo, but. I like the art on the other things. I don't care about the bush on the side of the track. But at least we can play it. You know? Uh, and we can play it online. Uh, servers have been up. But if the servers were down, uh, you know, we, we could still play it. But that's not true about this next game. Uh, Gran Turismo 7. So, uh, Gran Turismo 7, I actually did. I got a, um, I got this on Gamefly, which is a Xbox Game Pass for physical media, by the way. 
so I, I got this 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 from Gamefly. So I'm renting it. Uh, and I played it. I haven't played it recently in the past couple of days, but I played it a little bit uh, earlier this 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 week. Uh, I am still partial to the Forza series, uh, which includes Forza Motorsport, which is the more analogous t- uh, title to uh, Gran Turismo, not necessarily Forza Horizon. Uh, but I like Forza Motorsport better still. Uh, but I, I was given Gran Turismo Seven a good, good, good chance. But uh, it's gotten a low, gotten low scores, l- low user ratings on places like Metacritic, and it's because uh, they have decided that your sixty bucks is not enough. They're they're mad at people like me who rented it from GameFly. Obviously, Video Games Chronicle reports that a new patch for Gran Turismo Seven has reduced the amount of in-game currency many races reward, thereby making it harder to unlock new cars even after widespread criticism of the game's microtransactions. So the latest patch, uh, 1.07, reduced the payout of several races while fixing two late-game races that were being used to farm credits due to a bug. Um, so um, let's see here. So some of the races, like, you could get, um, you know, 75,000 credits. Now you can only get 50,000 credits, things like that. Um because and the reason they do that is because you can buy credits with real money. Uh, so you can get a hundred thousand credits for two dollars and fifty cents, uh, two hundred fifty thousand credits for five bucks, seven hundred fifty thousand credits for ten bucks, two two million credits for twenty bucks. And some of the cars in here, uh, like uh, the por- uh, the Porsche nine one nine hybrid sixteen, uh, which can uh, is three million credits, which is forty dollars. $40 for a car. Um, so there are other cars. The Aston Martin Vulcan 16 uh, is 3,300,000 credits. So that's about 40 bucks. Um, and uh, the McLaren P1 GTR 16, uh, which is the year 2016, uh, 3,600,000 credits. Also about 40 bucks. Uh, and the Audi R18 DDI, TDI in 2011, uh, that's just 3 million credits straight up. And so, but you can earn them, you can earn them by playing the game, but no, 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 they don't want you to earn it that quickly. You need, you need to, to farm certain races to get that unless you want to give them money. So they released a patch to fix that and that patch broke things. And this is the other part of Gran Turismo 7, which is very interesting, is that how much you can't play. It's a single-player game. I mean, it has a multiplayer component, but it's a single-player game. Uh, But The Verge reports that Gran Turismo 7 is back online, finally, after a 30-hour outage. This was on Friday. A broken update resulted in longer-than-expected server maintenance, leaving players frustrated the limited offline mode. Uh, much of Gran Turismo 7, including its career mode and multiplayer, was unplayable for 30 hours, and developer Polyphony Digital took more than 24 hours to provide an update on the problems a- after the maintenance ex- extension. extension. After the maintenance extension. Polyphony Digital has now apologized for the problems, and the game is back online with a new and functional 1.08 update. Uh, Kazunori Yamauchi, the game designer and the CEO of Polyphony Digital, said, quote, Immediately before the game, uh, before the release of the 1.07 update, we discovered an issue where the game would not start properly in some cases on product versions for the PS4 and PS5. This was a rare issue that was not seen during tests on the development hardware or the QA sessions prior to the release. But in order to prioritize the safety of the save data of the users, 
we decided to interrupt the release of the 1.07 update and make a 1.08 correctional update, unquote. So what actually you can do if the servers are down or your internet is down, even if you bought it on the disc, all you can do, there's like this music mode where you basically you race and there's checkpoints and that keeps the music going. There's a music mode and then like an arcade race mode where you just pick a track and pick one of like 20 cars or something like that. Uh, Not even the full thing. And the reason they say they do that is because uh, they don't want you to to hack and cheat and get more credits to buy in-game cars. Questbuster says someone estimated that for one of the most expensive cars, it would take 25 hours or so of grinding the most profitable race in the game for the credits. And I bet that was before they changed the race because that race was probably the one that they nerfed. Uh, Fist Dream asks, is this Chocobo GP again? Uh, maybe. Um, and, and here's why. Because you can get cars for cheaper in-game currency. There is a used car shop that has these cars at a lower price, but only a certain amount of them at once. And so you have to wait for that store to refresh. There's no loot boxes. There's there's no gotcha mechanics. Uh, but but there is kind of a FOMO aspect of, oh my gosh, that car's available and, and, and it's used where it's a lot more if I go buy it from the new dealership down the menu. Um, they they kind of get you with that. Um, now, why that is the case? Uh, Yamauchi actually said, quote, In Gran Turismo 7, I would like to have users enjoy lots of cars and races without microtransactions. Um, uh At the same time, the pricing of cars is an important element that conveys their value in rarity, so I do think it's important for it to be linked with the real-world prices. I want to make Gran Turismo 7 a game in which you enjoy a variety of cars in lots of uh, different ways, and if possible, would like to try to avoid a situation where a player must mechanically keep replaying certain events over and over again. Unquote. And Yamauchi does say it pains him that he can't explain in detail what's going on yet. He said, quote, we would really appreciate it if everyone would watch over the growth of Gran Turismo 7 from a somewhat longer point term point of view, unquote. A, uh, Yamauchi-san, uh, people have already paid 70 bucks for this game, uh, which means they paid 70 bucks for it now. That's kind of what they were expecting from a $70 title that comes out on a disc. Um... Gran Turismo 7 wasn't... People don't expect Gran Turismo 7 to be a game as a service, which is, I think, how you're, how, how it's kind of being positioned and what Sony's really going for, uh, see the recent Bungie acquisition. But the other thing is, he, uh, Yamuchi-san said, uh, I would like um, pricing of cars is an important element that conveys their value and rarity. One of the reasons I play games like Gran Turismo and Forza is to drive rare cars I would never be able to get anywhere near in real life. That's why. I So you can sit there and say, oh, well, you know, I want you to value it and realize that it's very rare. No, I'm playing a video game. I play a video game to do things I can't do in real life because the opportunity to do those things in real life is rare and expensive. That's why I do it. And I'm not saying don't have, you know, don't 
you know, I, I'm not saying not have a progression system and don't have cars that are, you know, you have to buy within game credits. I absolutely do that. But 25 hours uh, of grinding uh, of the same race over and over again just to get a car that you have deemed rare. Um, yeah, that's that's not why I play video games. Fifth Dream says uh, they're copies of bits. There's no rarity. I hate that I can't play Doom because I've never been to hell. Questbuster says Gran Turismo is a game that's great for, uh, from what I've seen enthusiasts streaming it have said, but they even they're upset over this direction. Gran Turismo is great for people that are really, 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 really super into cars uh, and, you know, really want, uh, you know, everything about the automobile and they know everything about the automobiles and love everything about automobiles. Uh, because the majority of people's time in Gran Turismo is actually spent in menus tweaking their car's aerodynamics and changing values. And and one of the reasons that I prefer the Forza series to the Gran Turismo series is because the Forza series understands that not everybody wants to go down to that detail. But some people do. And so they allow those people that do to put up on for you know on for free but on like the the online marketplace, which I'm using my quotey fingers because it's free, it's not even in-game currency, but you can go find tunings that other people have gone into those menus and tweaked everything. Go into those tunings and you download their tune and then suddenly now you've got a greatly tuned car that's been done by somebody who's a gearhead. Gran Turismo doesn't let you do that. You have to do that yourself. And even it says, if you want to do well in this race you're going to need to spend some time in that menu adjusting aerodynamics. And it gets, it, 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 there comes a point soon where I'm like, yeah, I can't progress in this game because I'm not going to sit there and tweak this menu and play with this ECM computer just because I got a supercharger, a low RPM supercharger that I put, um, you know, I'm not going to tweak this computer variables to get my car going, oh, just so right just to, to, to win this race. The Breakman says, the more Bobby talks about this game, the less I ever want to play a game uh, like Gran Turismo or one of his games. Uh, the previous Gran Turismos were fine. Um, you know, back on the, like, the PS2, PS1, PS2 era, uh, those were fine. And Questbrook says, some people want a Falcon 4.0 or an IL-2 Str- uh, Strumovic, which are flight, like very simulation-heavy uh, flight combat simulators, and then other people just want Ace Combat, which is not. Uh, and in Tiger Claw says, it's okay. You still have Forza Horizon 5. And I, I, and, and I also still have Forza Motorsport because so Forza Motorsport, which is the great actual analogy to Gran Turismo because it is kind of the same type of thing. They also allow you to download tuning setups from other users. Um, so, but the Gran Turismo, playing Gran Turismo 5 with the DualSense and how it uses the haptic feedback and the adaptive triggers, that is really neat. And that's, that's something I kind of wish the Xbox had was that type of technology. I still have Gran Turismo 7. Um, I, I, bought, I played it long enough to get uh, the, the closest thing to my car, uh, which is uh, from 2012. They, they, uh, I drive a Tesla, and I, I, I hate bringing it up because it's one of those, how do you know somebody drives a Tesla? They tell you, blah, blah, blah. So I try not to be that person because I've also had the car for like six years now. Um, but uh, I found there was a 2012 car. Uh, that was kind of that's kind of close to the one I have, uh, but it's definitely from 2012. It's even uses like UI screens in the in the, in, in the in car view. It's definitely like the UI that was in the car 
when I bought my car in 2015. Uh, they changed that UI later that year. Uh, but uh, so, so I hadn't seen that old UI in a while. I tweeted about it. I actually posted some stuff. And you have to get an oil change, by the way. You actually have to do maintenance on your car, get oil changes uh, and uh, tire rotations and car washes and stuff in Gran Turismo. I'm like, why do I need to do that? Um, but uh, I played enough to get that, which my car was 92,000 credits. So it wasn't that hard. Um, I think I, I got there a couple hours to, to get enough credits to buy it. Uh, found the thing that's closest to my paint color. So I've, I've got my car in the game and I, I, I can drive with it sometimes uh, when, the, when the races allow it. And I'm like, all right, I've now experienced Gran Turismo 7. So uh, we are going to take a quick music break, and then uh, we're actually going to op- open up the green room. If anybody does have uh, anything they want to talk about, uh, go into our uh, Discord green room. So you go to vognetwork.com slash Discord. There is a green room voice chat channel. Uh, you can hop in there, and then I will pull you on, and we can talk about anything going on in the gaming industry. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show. You're on the Voice of Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Can't get it out of my head! Hey, this is Robbie Damon, the voice of all your favorite anime and video games, and you are participating with the Bobby Black Wolf Show. Have fun, baby! This sounds like you're having fun. I am having fun. I don't know what you're talking about. A lot of fun. If you want to leave a bumper, you do not have to be Robbie Damon. Uh, all you have to do is I need to get an audio file or a video file of just your voice. I will choose what DMCA violation I want to risk underneath uh, about coming back to the Bobby Blackwell show. And you can contact me either uh, in our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord over or uh, through a Twitter DM. Uh, or uh, if you really want email, bumpers at bobbyblackwolf.com is the email address. That'll come to me. Um and uh, and you can uh, you can let me know uh, that uh, E3 VL says characters do this in Strangers in Paradise as well, seeing the tune while in the game. Uh, yeah, and so that the demo is back up. Uh, there was a demo earlier on. I can't remember when, but it was a couple months ago. They had like a very timed demo for a weekend. Now they've got a timed demo for a whole month. So you got to, and it's also on Xbox. So you can actually try uh, the the Dark Souls of Final Fantasy games. Except the Dark Souls of Final Fantasy games uh, not only has an easy mode, but it has an extra casual mode on top of the easy mode. Uh, so you can actually uh, uh, play it that way. And the demo data transfers to the core game uh, because it, I think it looks like it does kind of start you at the beginning. I, I, I went through a little bit of the demo. I haven't gotten too far into it uh, because I've got a month this time instead of doing it all weekend. I will say I did get bored with it. Uh, the Strangers in Paradise demo the first time when I played the, the, the one that was like only for a weekend. And here's why. I think it's because of the easy mode because I was playing it on easy mode. Um and because I think they are trying to like make it play like a Souls type game or like Elden Ring that everybody's talking about right now. And the reason that combat style works in those games is because it is it's, it's you know it's it's brutal. Uh it is it, it no holds barred on ta- on terms of the enemies uh working against you. Uh 
And when you take that away with just a straight-up easy mode, uh, it does make the combat a little bit boring. And so that's why I can kind of see where people are like, you know, we don't want uh, e- we don't want easy mode in a Souls game, which I also don't want easy mode to be in a Souls game. There are other accessibility things you can do that are not straight up easy mode, you know, not straight up change the hit points or anything like that. There are other things you can do, uh, but but I understand that From Software has no interest in doing any of that. But I'm thinking that the show, seeing Stranger of Paradise and seeing what it's like. I was just bored going through because I was like, all right, here's some more things. Kill, you know, kill them with, you know, some this stuff. And, and like I wasn't maybe it's also because I wasn't challenged enough to try to figure out other ways to kill them. But I also don't like repetition, so I don't like dying a lot and having to do something over and over again. And as Sheridan Matt says, the old man gamer in me uh, shudders when I hear something like the Dark Souls of Blank. I want everybody to enjoy their Souls game. They're not for me. Uh, and uh, Mike Def says, Stranger of Paradise is actually the NIO, N-I-O-H, of Final Fantasy because it's the same team. It's Team Ninja. Um, and I get that because I actually do follow some independent game developers, indie game developers on Twitter. And all they talk about is every game should be Dark Souls. And how great Dark Souls is. And they're like, should I go out and do this thing? Or I sh- should I go replay Dark Souls 3? I'm going to go replay Dark Souls 3 this weekend. I'm like, dude, dude, I know they don't listen to this show. So I, and because they would know exactly who I, if I was talking about them. I understand that not every game is for everybody, but we don't need every game to be the Dark Souls of something. And Tristream says, no, 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 you need, you need to dodge roll 50 times, not 49. Do it again. And I'm just, I'm, I don't have the time for the repetition anymore, unfortunately. But other people love Elden Ring. Like, Elden Ring's kind of the big thing right now, and I understand that they've even got, because it's open world now, uh, you can you, you you can cheese Elden Ring uh, by, by going with different, uh, doing some different tactics that they have given, so it's not a straight-up easy mode, but they do actually make it to where you can actually beat a boss if you're not that great uh, at playing the game. Uh, so that's kind of nice to see. Um but uh, I, I hope that not everything tries to be a Dark Souls of games. DJ Rama says, says, at least Final Fantasy Origins isn't another Musou game. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of the Musou genre, genre either, but I will have to give it up for Persona 5 Strikers because even though it's a Musou game, it's not. it doesn't have the 30-minute Musou battles like a Dynasty Warriors mainline title does, like Hyrule Warriors did in the demo where you're going around and, and it, it is, it's more of a, pers- it was more of a Persona game that the battles were done kind of with the same mechanics of a Musou title. And I liked that. I really enjoyed that. And honestly, if there was a Final Fantasy game that was like that, which I don't think they could do that, especially because a lot of the the fast paced stuff, it's better for an animated world and, what we're getting in Final Fantasy, more realistic-looking stuff, uh, I would be all over that. And DJ Ramos says, "Just me, uh, must be me because I knock out each battle in under thirty minutes." I mean, I haven't really played a, a deep into a Dynasty Warriors game. I've played like the Hyrule Warriors, where it's like this big battlefield, and you go over and you do this battle, and you, people they're advancing on another place. And P- Persona Five Strikers doesn't do any of that. It's more like an, a, a Persona RPG where you see the enemies, and then when you engage that enemy. Uh, you, you know, fight them as they spawn in and then it's like less than a minute long and then you go, you're on your merry way. 
As Sharon Man says, make everything like Dark Souls is the new gotta make everything Royale game, which was the new gotta make everything open world. Point is that making Souls style is the new thing. Something else will be the new thing soon enough. That's true. I mean, you know, look at, uh, we, 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 we've stopped talking about the 100 versus whatever, the Battle Royale games now. And Questbuster says, as someone who's played all the Dark Souls games except Elden Ring, I'm not a fan of developers uh, trying to Dark Souls everything. I think some of the pushback on Elden Ring specifically in terms of the accessibility uh, stuff is the fact that there are people who like George R.R. Martin's work. um, And George R.R. Martin was penning the story for Elden Ring. And so people who are not hardcore video gamers would have an interest in Elden Ring. Uh, and so that's why some people are like, well, maybe they should make it accessible so those who are George R.R. R. Martin fans and not hardcore Souls gamers should be able to enjoy it and enjoy the story, uh, which From Software said, well, there's YouTube. Have fun. Um, not that it uh, hurt Elden Ring at all. It sold just fine. Um, and uh, luckily, it's not a Square Enix title, so it's not going to be a disappointment. It's going it's, it's sold just fine. It's doing just fine. It, it's going great for From Software. And Mike Depp says, 12 million and counting worldwide. Well, congratulations to From Software. I miss Chrome Hounds. So whenever I hear From Software, I think of Chrome Hounds. That was amazing on the Xbox 360. Uh, Had a lot of fun with Chrome Hounds. And that's where my From Software uh, uh, began and ended. So I was checking. Nobody is in the green room, which is totally fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we do uh, want to take calls. And usually like during the music break, if you hop in there, then I can make room for you. If not, I vamp just like I did there and pick up on what people in our chat room over at Twitch are saying. Um, Mike Def says Metal Wolf Chaos was from software, too. They had other things, but I never played Metal Wolf Chaos. Um, Chrome Hounds is the from software game that I have. And it's, it's back here on my 360 games. Of, 360 games that are on my shelf behind me. Zen Monkey says, let's get a uh, Game of Thrones MMO. We already have like Elder Scrolls and like uh, other MMOs that are set in that that time frame. Stuff like that. Uh, S. Matt does ask, any thoughts on the rumors or leaked arcade one-up cabinets and devices? Um, I haven't actually looked at the, all those leaks and rumors. Um, I look and I'm like, do they have a unique control scheme I don't have yet? And I think that's about as far as I got. So I don't even know what they've what what's been quote unquote leaked at this point. Um, for those, um, I need to still get with the person locally here that builds uh, custom arcade cabinets and get basically. I want to get an arcade cabinet that has the joystick and buttons that has a bunch of games on them. Uh, I'm not as interested in getting the arcade one ups, even though I know I could put a Raspberry Pi in it. I'd rather get a full size arcade cabinet. Uh, built out of wood and not the Ikea cardboard thing that Arcade 1-Ups are made out of uh, that has, like, lighted buttons and all that stuff and then a custom thing inside of it. Time Crisis and Metal uh, and uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is what's rumored. Um, so I have seen people review the Terminator 2 cabinet, which is also a light gun game, and... Uh, there, pe- people were kind of lukewarm on it. I know they've also done Big Buck Hunter before, so they've done the light gun stuff before. Uh, but um, Terminator 2 kind of was a disappointment for some people because uh, Terminator 2 on Arcade 1-Up, most Arcade 1-Up games, uh, cabinets have more than one game in it, not Terminator 2. 
it's like 700 bucks for just the one game. Uh, and there are the plastic guns. They're they're plastic. They do have a little bit of the recoil, but it's like really, really loud. So you turn it because if you want to be able to hear the cabinet, you turn off the force feedback in the gun. Uh, so and, and people are like, yeah, it is kind of what I remembered. So it would be interesting to see how they implement Time Crisis. But other than that, um, it is hard to play Terminator 2 on the small screen that they have because it is still a three-quarter size cabinet unless they do the bigger cabinets like they're doing. Like there's an NBA Jam version that's full-size now, and they're starting to make full-size cabinets. So, uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, maybe we'll see some of those at some point. Maybe, you know, at whatever replaces E3 because I'm pretty sure E3 ain't happening at this point. RIP E3. Oh, and NFL Blitz is also rumored, according to SGO and Matt, but um, he, uh, he's not confident being real because of the NFLPA and NFL licensing, um, they, but they did get NBA Jam working. Uh, NBA Jam, the NBA likes. NFL Blitz, the NFL doesn't exactly like anymore because NFL Blitz is very much uh, most known for its unsportsmanlike conduct, let's say. Um and that's why, like, later versions of Blitz have not been as over-the-top as previous versions because the NFL came in and be like, no, 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 you can't body slam someone after the whistle blows. You just can't do that anymore. And Tiger Law says it's a missed opportunity not adding Revolution X, another gun game from the makers of T2 added to it, but you would have to deal with the Aerosmith license. And everybody would complain about the price because when you get something like a T2, you're not only... Uh, getting the license from the game developers that made the game. You're also getting the terminal license, uh, the Terminator license from Universal Pictures. And since Arnold Schwarzenegger's in it, you're also paying Arnold Schwarzenegger for his likeness. Even if he doesn't do a damn thing for the game new, uh, you still have to pay him for his license. And uh, I don't know if like Edward Furlong showed up or or um, who whoever played T-1000, Robert, I forget his name. Uh, he's in he's in Peacemaker now, uh, but but you you know if he's in the game of his likeness theme, you got to pay him as well. Um, so Patrick Robert Patrick, thank you very much. Um, yeah. So and then you know if you did Revolution X, it's the same thing except now you're also licensing the band and their likeness and their music, and so suddenly that seven hundred dollar cabinet is now a, a one thousand dollar cabinet, and you know riots would be in the street. Coming up next. Here on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash Vogue Network is Orange Lounge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do, and we like to check in with them and uh, see what's going on in their neck of the woods uh, and uh, and see if they're they're playing games about dystopian futures that outlawed rock and roll with weaponized CD-ROMs. Uh, Sacramento, are you there? Let's try that. Hey, Hello? hey there's Rob. How you doing, Rob? Good. Discord decided to change my sound input on me. Sorry about that. Yeah, I was checking mine because every once in a while, Discord tries to change mine as well. And so that's why I was doing the same thing. I'm like, is it still going to the right thing? There's it going to the right thing. It happens. Yeah. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. So uh, do, do you like I didn't know. Have you read up on these arcade one up leaks? And I, I know you've got some space, but I think I know what you want to put in that space. But yeah. have you read up on any of these? Um, I have. They they have this interesting thing, and I don't know if they've released any of these yet, and I missed it, but they kind of want to take their um, 
uh, television hookups. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think they did one for like Mega Man or something. And there was some other, you know, they they were okay. They weren't anything special that the market hasn't seen before. But they want to take that one step further. And they want to do basically like the joystick and buttons, that Mm -hmm. solid, you know, part of the cabinet with the, you know, uh, arcade like uh yeah. style and and basically put everything in one of those that then hooks up to your TV. Yeah. Um and that is very interesting although I'm not sure, you know, again those those uh, arcade one-ups tend to only have four or five games in mm-hmm. them, maybe 10 depending on what it is. Um I'm not sure there's going to be the bang for the buck in those, um but I think yeah. it's very interesting. Yeah, no, I can see some people liking those because a lot of people who like arcade one-ups are not you and me. Like, I mean, we like them, but their primary market is people, uh, you know, people our age who are ha- remember the games from their childhood but have a lot of disposable income right now. Like, I go yeah. to other places in the neighborhood, and I saw Mortal Kombat 2 Arcade 1-Up in their basement. Mm-hmm. He, he's not a gamer, but he likes Mortal Kombat 2, and he bought the Mortal Kombat 2 Arcade 1-Up to be in the room with his pool table and his dartboard and, you know, <laughs> some other things that he had down there. Uh, and so that's what they're kind of catering to. So you can get that. And a lot of people, if they build a bar in their basement, they -hmm. will have a TV up on the bar, like behind the bar Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so they could have this device on the bar top and they could play Mm -hmm. on that on the TV in in the bar. And that would be something for when they're, you know, entertaining people uh, and stuff. So I think that's what arcade one ups trying to go for. Other companies have done this with a raspberry Pi in it that plays everything. But I think arcade one up wants to get the people that, the Raspberry Pi is a little bit too much for them. And there, right. there are people out there that, that are like that, um, as, as much as it shocks some people. Uh, they would just much rather get an arcade one-up thing that has a couple games and it works, and that's it. Us, there's just the fact that the arcade one-ups are going to look nicer. Mm-hmm. And the whole, you know, uh, homemade uh, Raspberry Pi. And some folks may disagree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you consider that, you know, if you've got people that are putting Mortal Kombat machines in their basement bars for what is essentially looks, Mm -hmm. they're probably not playing them a lot. Um, I can see why maybe it makes a more attractive option. Yeah. And I I will also kind of mention this is um, there was a, a friend of mine on Twitter um, who is in Georgia, and I'm going to be very careful when I talk about this because I don't want to uh, name anything or disparage anything, but he had found that there was a new barcade that was opening up in his town, and he is well outside of Atlanta. So this is not a metro Atlanta thing. It's, there's, there's a lot of Georgia that's not in Atlanta. And he was like, this is great. I'm going to go to this barcade. And he went, and it was all arcade one-ups. And it wasn't even like the arcade one-ups that I have, like the Star Wars. It's like it was the Pac-Man and, you know, some of the other... Like, they had the Simpsons, I think, was the, the biggest arcade one-up one they had. And they were charging, like, 10 bucks for two hours. And he's like, I'm not going to pay 10 bucks to play arcade one-ups. Like, I'm not going to do that. That's dumb. Why would I do that? But if you go look on, like, the reviews of this location on like Google and on Facebook, it's all five stars because most people don't care that they're arcade one ups. They just care that it's Pac-Man. They they don't like care. Licensing questions about the legalities of that. Abs- that's not my department. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Arcade one ups are for home use only. They're not for commercial use. So that's also why I'm not naming the place. I don't want to get them in trouble or anything like that. 
Um, but yes, they're, they're actually, you're not supposed to use arcade one-ups in a commercial environment, uh, according to the arcade one-up stuff. If yeah. I don't think arcade one-ups ever going to go after them, but, but the, you know, what the point I'm trying to make is that the general public doesn't care. Yeah. No, like, that's fair. Totally fair. So, so yeah. And pop culture says all of Atlanta is on Peachtree. This is far enough away. There's no Peachtree. That this, this place is far enough. Wow. Away. Yeah. Um, and, uh, pod coach says they aren't built for long-term constant use either. Oh no, we're, we're pretty sure like, you know, somebody's going to drop a beer on them cause they're also a, have beer. So you're, they're buying beer, $7 beer, and then paying 10 bucks an hour to play arcade one ups. We're like, yeah, that's not lasting long. Uh, so Rob, I wanted to, I, I, I want to ask you this. Um, you want to try something? We, we haven't done this before here on the show, but I want to, I want right. to say this. Uh, my wife came home from Walgreens, which for people who aren't in the U.S., uh, it's a drugstore. It's, it's a drugstore pharmacy thing, and brought me back this this, this deck of cards uh, in a box, and it's called Video Game Quiz. And the box looks oh, like dear. a it, it looks looks like a you know it looks like a Game Boy, but with an analog nub and four buttons and stuff. And it says, do you have enough lives to beat this quiz? Press start. Um, should I ask you some of these questions? Because these are just question answer stuff. Okay, I just hope it's not all Call of Duty questions. No, I mean, actually, me. honestly, if if I see a Call of Duty question in there, I'm not going to ask it. Because, like, it's it's okay. a lot about, like, so so let's see here. In the Animal Crossing series, which greedy character upgrades your home? That would be Tom Nook. Who is Tom Nook? Very good, very good, very good. Let's see here. What do we have here? Um, uh, let's see here. I don't. I don't know if you you played Saints Row Four. This might be a Loki question. Maybe you can phone a friend, Loki. Which famous wrestler had a cameo appearance in Saints Row Four? Oh God, it's wrestling and Saints Row on top of that. I know. Um, ass. I who is Hulk Hogan? Oh, very close. He feuded with Hulk Hogan. Uh, he had bagpipes. And wore a kilt. That macho man? No, no, but, but chat got That's it. it. S- Roddy, that. Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, chat. Thank you, chat. Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see here. I'm going to try to find. Let's see here. Let's, let's see. Well, how about this one? Which video game series first released in 1989 is said to be the inspiration for Assassin's Creed? in 1989 would have been around the nes maybe the genesis no too soon for the genesis 1989 was the same year like the original batman movie came out um set the stage for assassin's creed mm-hmm. Ooh, i uh chat prince of persia i think it's a really good guess i, I know i'm cheating by looking yes. at chat but that is a it very is good guess. I, this is fine this this fine like you can, you can use chat yes prince of persia prince, is what is done here i wouldn't have guessed that a prince of persia was originally a 1989 game i know because that game was on like the apple 2e yeah so I mean, i'm i'm wondering okay. where they got that i'm gonna have to like look that up a little bit let's see i mean here. it may it may be right um yeah. you know it's one of those games that you know every school had an apple t- 2e at that yeah. age so well, um see also like we may be thinking of Karatika or Karatika, which was on those mm. early computers. And then I think Prince of Persia was inspired by that. Um, mm, maybe. Which American competitive video game player was the first to achieve a perfect score of 3,333,360 in Pac-Man in 1999? I mean, is anybody going to know anybody besides like Bobby Mitchell? 
Billy Mitchell, but we're close. Yeah, Billy Mitchell. It's Billy Mitchell. It's my friend Billy Mitchell, friend of the show, Billy Mitchell. Um, let's see here. Here we go. Last I'm one. I'm gonna blame that Jamie's texting me, and I'm trying to read that. I'll okay, well here here's that. one for Jamie. Jamie maybe can text you and help you with this one. Which okay. which console was the first to have an internal memory storage? Internal memory storage, not Atari, not I don't television one. She's always very big on the Odyssey, but I don't think I don't think go a little bit later. Anything, yeah, let's just say I don't think anything that old. Um, I'm like literally going through systems in my head. I I would guess that probably something like I don't think it was Master System, but I would bet Sega Saturn or Sega CD is right. I'm gonna say Sega Saturn. That is correct, according to this. Even though I do know that Tiger Claw said Sega CD, which did have internal memory, but it wasn't was technically a console. Yes, that was an yeah. add-on, not technically um, a console. So, yes, this does say that Sega Saturn was uh, the first one. I've, I, I skipped a whole lot because I'm like, I don't play Team Fortress 2, and I don't play you know, some of these games. So I was like, I wasn't going to... I'm not here to like make you look bad. I was just like, I was trying to pick things I'm like that you would know, too. Right. You know? I mean, unless you know, in Team Fortress 2, what do the acronyms of RED and BLU teams stand for? Oh, they... Yeah, the teams, they do, like, some... Yeah, I, I don't know what they mean, but I know they're, like... Yeah. War sounding things. Yeah. yeah. It's a reliable excavation and demolition and builders league united. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of these and stuff. I haven't like looked through all of them because my wife's like, I'm going to quiz you at some point. So I don't want to look at these, but I thought that would okay. be fun. What's going to be coming up on orange Lounge radio tonight. Uh, let's talk about, Oh, you know, it's funny. Cause last week we were talking a little bit about, uh, E3 and, or the lack thereof. And it certainly doesn't seem like it's happening this year. And another chess piece has moved in the direction of, you know what? LA is probably going to be pretty boring this summer. Um, in that regard, uh, unless Jeff Keeley saves the day. I don't know. We'll get to that. Um, we're also going to talk about <laughs> somebody needs to save the day for the overwatch league. Um, they have no sponsors right now. Mm. Uh, I can't imagine that recent things in the news, uh, regarding Activision have come into play with that. Uh, Bobby, I, I think you'll find this fascinating. You know how we always talk about that Miyamoto quote, uh, system is only as good as the games that are on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, word coming out this week. He never said that. Prove no. it. This is a this is a Mandela effect or something mm-hmm. that's going on here. Um, yeah, so we'll the, talk a little bit about that because I think it's interesting. Yeah, the Miyamoto quote I thought was always a delayed game is, is you know, forever, you know, a delayed game is eventually good. A, a rush game is forever bad. That's the Miyamoto quote. I, I thought he said it about Smash. I thought he said it in defense of Smash getting delayed. But I, you know, again, there's a lot of things I think happened that didn't. Yeah. All right. Orange Lounge Radio is up next. Thanks so much, Rob. All right. Thank you. Bye. So uh, that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Vogue Network. And apparently, like, it looks like it's a really round number with two zeros at the end of it. So uh, it's going to be just like normal uh, because I don't have anything planned special for next week. But you can come and, and hang out. And it'll be just fine for episode number 800. Uh, so, yeah, so come join us. Uh, and uh, if you can't, I completely understand. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby Blackwell for join us on our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord throughout the week. 
Uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone. The show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who doesn't know about it yet. But we would not be able to make the live show work without the generosity of chatters who go above and beyond than just being here. Uh, so I do want to thank uh, S. Sharon and Matt, who resubscribed. Thank you so much for your resubscription. We got a raid from Mike Deft after his podcast uh, had wrapped up. Thank you so much for the raid and bringing your community in with ours. Uh, he also uh, resubscribed. Thank you so much for that. Loki resubscribed and Orange Right resubscribed. We were very close to a Twitch hype train. It did not trigger at that time, but maybe we'll get it during OLR tonight. So there's still time to get a hype train in tonight here on Twitch. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so that's it. I'm going to go ahead and hit the button here that lets, get, lets me out of here. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, don't fret about your brackets. It's not that important. Uh, and uh, I will see you next week. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network. People who need to hire new voiceover guys. Or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.